Hello, and welcome to the podcast that helps you win the race Christ has marked out for you. To understand the significance you have through those God has put in your life, let's do some math. If you impact just 35 people in your whole lifetime, including those you love the most, your family members, and each of those 35 impacts just 35 others during his or her lifetime, by the time you get to the fourth generation, that is, your great-grandchildren's generation, your life will have impacted 1,500,625 other people. Your life matters, especially in your role as the spiritual leader of your home, but in all the other spiritual leadership roles you fill. This episode shows how to maximize the power of our influence in our leadership roles with others. Thanks for joining us today for season number one, episode number 38 of Mission Focus Men. My name is Gary Yeagle. Last week, we began a three-week study of spiritual leadership using a simple diagram called Spiritual Leadership is Influence. To understand how effective leadership works, we identified three components of leadership and how they relate to one another. The three parts are the target, that is, leaders are taking their followers somewhere, in the case of spiritual leadership, toward spiritual maturity. Secondly, there are the followers or potential followers which can be our wives, our kids, our grandkids, or anyone I'm seeking to influence toward Christ. It could be through a structured leadership position or my informal influence as a friend or relative. The third component part is the leader. This can be the one assigned leadership by God in the family, that is the husband and father, or filling a leadership role at work, in the church, in the classroom, or on the athletic field. There's a link to this diagram in the podcast notes if you'd like to check it out, or you can just visualize these three parts on a page. The bottom left in a blue text says leader. The top left blue text says followers. And the bottom right is the target with a blue text, spiritual maturity. We saw last time that effective leadership is all about the relationships between these three parts which are described by the three arrows on the diagram, orange, green, and brown. The orange arrow across the bottom is the arrow between the leader and the goal of spiritual maturity. The leader must himself focus upon and model commitment to his own spiritual maturity. Number two, the vertical green arrow on the left is the arrow between the leader and his followers. A leader's influence is completely dependent upon the quality of his relationship with his followers, which the leader must build. And third, the brown arrow from upper left to lower right runs from the followers to the target. The leader equips and assists his followers to keep taking steps toward the goal, spiritual maturity. After introducing this diagram last week, we focused on the orange arrow across the bottom, the first goal of the leader, which is to stay focused on spiritual maturity in his own life so he can model it. Today, our topic is the vertical green arrow on the left between the leader and his followers, building a relationship with his followers. 
If leadership were the same as authority, this relationship would matter very little. The one holding the authority could simply boss his wife, children, co-workers, or players to do the right thing. But leadership is influence. A leader wins the heart of his followers. So the followers are self-motivated to follow their leaders. It is hard to overstate this principle, especially with regard to spiritual leadership. We can use our authority to coerce obedience to the biblical rules, including worshiping God. But the result will be legalism and moralism. Our goal is to win our kids' hearts. I think of one adult who looked back on the way his father influenced him to follow Jesus. And this man said, I loved my dad and he loved Christ. So I just couldn't separate the two. Typically, those around us don't care about us and what's important to us until we first care about them and what's important to them. One leadership expert writes, before you can do anything else in the lives of others, you must show them love. Without it, there can be no connection, no future, and no success together. Think back to some key people who have had an impact on your life, an incredible teacher, a fantastic boss, a special aunt or uncle. Undoubtedly, when you spent time with those people, you could sense that they cared about you. And in return, you responded positively to them. So let's look at five ways that Jesus, the model leader, built his relationship with his followers so we can learn from him. Number one, he built that relationship through understanding. By taking on human flesh, God the Son came into our world. He sweat real sweat. Hitting his fingers with the hammer hurt him as much as it hurts us. He understands us at a gut level because he came into our world. Leading the author of Hebrews to encourage us, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Good leaders get into the world of their followers if they can. My life was changed forever because a man named John Hartsock came into my high school world to show me the love of Christ through the ministry of Young Life. This incarnational ministry principle empowers leaders to be able to relate to what their followers are going through and shows an interest in their life that wins, very frankly, their hearts. A second aspect of understanding that all great leaders recognize as indispensable to their ability to influence others and succeed is listening well. Former President Lyndon Johnson, while a junior senator from Texas, had a sign on his office wall that read, You ain't learning nothing when you're doing all the talking. John Maxwell identifies six reasons it is essential for leaders to develop strong listening skills. Number one, listening shows respect. Number two, listening builds relationships. Number three, listening increases knowledge. Number four, listening generates ideas. 
Number five, listening builds loyalty. Number six, listening helps you know how to help others and yourself. Listening well is essential for all relationships, but especially for meeting the needs of our wives and children to feel understood. One Christian counselor reminds us the first condition for mutual understanding is the desire for, the seeking after, and the willing of that understanding. Such a statement may appear very commonplace. Nevertheless, this basic attitude toward understanding others is rarer than we think. Listen to all the conversations of our world. They are, for the most part, dialogues of the deaf. Each one speaks in order to set forth his own ideas. So leaders build their relationship with their followers through understanding. Second, Jesus built his relationship with his followers through affirmation. The way Jesus encouraged his followers is perhaps most visible to us in the way he encouraged Peter after Peter denied him three times. That evening, Peter was boasting that he loved Jesus more than the other disciples. Mark 14, 27 reads, And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. With that background, let's look at John 21, which takes place after Jesus' resurrection. Jesus has just conducted a miracle, just like the miracle he did when he first called Peter to be a fisher of men, supernaturally filling their nets with fish. They cooked some fish for breakfast, and then we read, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now... Peter has learned his lesson. He does not say, yes, I love you more than these other six disciples. That's who he was with. He just says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Three times Peter had denied Jesus. So Jesus now gives Peter three opportunities to affirm his sincere devotion to him. And three times Jesus accepts that profession, restoring Peter to the task of feeding his lambs. Back in the text, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him, the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Jesus was quite intentional about encouraging this future leader of his church. Few things help a person the way encouragement does. It is oxygen for the soul. When a person feels encouraged, he can face the impossible and overcome incredible adversity. Peter would himself one day face crucifixion. Secular research reveals the power of encouragement in a simple little experiment. It was conducted a few years ago to measure people's capacity to endure pain. 
Psychologists measured how long a barefooted person could stand in a bucket of ice water. They found that one factor made it possible for some people to stand in the ice water twice as long as the others. Can you guess what the factor was? Yes, it was encouragement. When another person was present, giving support and encouragement, the sufferers were able to endure the pain much longer than our unencouraged counterparts. A simple little experiment, but it makes a point. Encouragement has tremendous power to motivate us. Third, Jesus built his relationship with his followers through companionship. In Mark 3.14, Jesus reveals to us another vital key to leadership influence. We read, He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. Jesus' leadership plan was to equip and send them out to preach. This is the third arrow, Brown, of the spiritual leadership is influence diagram that we're studying, and we'll look at that arrow next week. But notice that Jesus first chose them to, quote-unquote, be with him. When we realize that leadership is not an authority position but influence, it becomes obvious that there is no substitute for the time required to build a relationship of love and trust with our followers. Again, the specialist writes, If you want to influence others and you desire to get them moving in the right direction, you must connect with them before you try to take them anywhere. Attempting to do it before connecting is a common mistake of inexperienced leaders. Trying to move others before going through the connection process with them can lead to mistrust, resistance, and strained relationships. Always remember that you have to share yourself before you try to share the journey. Now, the common experiences that you and I share with our followers don't have to be dramatic. We can share meals with people, go to ball games with them, play with our kids. Yes, do that a lot. It builds our influence in their lives. Doing things together that create a common history helps to connect you to others. Jesus' leadership of the Twelve was loaded with impact because they were with him. They did life together. The fourth way Jesus built his relationship with his followers was through his compassionate heart. They continually saw his compassion in action. We read in Mark 1, And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, we read, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, their leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus had the guts to call the Pharisees snakes, whose moral stench was like that of rotting bodies, but he was also tender-hearted. Even though Jesus' strength is essential to attract me to him as a man, so is his tender-heartedness. Hard-heartedness is an enemy to all leaders. It drives others from us instead of attracting them to us. All believers are called to tenderheartedness, but it is essential if you want to have influence on others. Paul writes to the Colossians, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, 
kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Tender heartedness requires first an identification with sin and failure. Second, an identification with weakness. And third, being appropriately vulnerable about your own failures. The fifth way Jesus built his relationship with his followers was attentiveness to their practical needs. The best way to win another's heart is to unselfishly focus on serving him or her, meeting their practical needs. Jesus, of course, modeled this care in the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000, and throughout his healing ministry. But he went beyond just setting that example. He specifically taught that leadership in his kingdom is about using your leadership influence to serve others. In Mark 10, And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. The fastest way for a leader to alienate his followers is to use his leadership position selfishly. Conversely, when followers see leaders attentive to their needs and doing a little extra to assist them, their hearts are one. One of the best ways for fathers and husbands to express love for their wives and kids is to be attentive to the practical needs around them and lend a hand with practical chores. Of course, we should share the chores in the first place, but I'm talking about assisting them with their chores. I know this can be rescuing, but I also know that it communicates that we love our children. Be servants to one another in love, writes Paul. I know a dad who tried to get up early and wash his college kids' cars the morning they left to return to college, as well as stuffing a few 20s in the kids' hands. Many of our listeners do this well. Don't overlook, though, the impact it is having in motivating those you love most to want to follow your leadership as you try to follow Christ. To summarize this episode, the impact of our lives upon those God has placed around us is staggering. We maximize that influence to move them toward Christ in our spiritual leadership roles by following Jesus' leadership example. We build our relationship with them, number one, through understanding them by getting into their world and listening to them well. Number two, through affirming them with encouraging words which breathe oxygen into their souls. Number three, through being with them to solidify our connection. Number four, through responding to their failures, not with hard-heartedness, but with compassion. Number five, through serving them by attentiveness to their practical needs. For further prayerful thought, number one, what do you think are the three most important ways a spiritual leader needs to build his relationship with his followers to maximize his impact for Christ? Number two, which part of building your relationship with your followers do you need to work on? 
Next week, we will see that the goal of a leader is not to be the hero, but to be the hero maker. His job is to build into others. We will look specifically at how to teach scripture so that our children and other followers will be most impacted. For those of you who are new to the podcast, you might find it helpful to know of some of our past podcast series. We did a series entitled Ruling Over Our Sexuality for God's Glory. Four weeks, that was Mission Focus Men number 12, 13, 14, and 15, starting January 26th, ending February 16th. We did a series, Making a Difference for Christ in the Workplace, a three-week series, and that's Mission Focus Men for Christ numbers 16, 17, and 18, starting February 23rd through March 8th. We did a three-week series entitled Raising Godly, Confident Daughters, May 3rd, 10th, and 17th. For further information about our ministry, go to forgingbonds.org. And if this podcast has been helpful to you, don't forget to tell other Christian men about a podcast that helps them stay focused on their mission from Christ by inspiring them each week while they commute or work out.